So I wanted to, to introduce to you one of our favorite shows as a family, The Goldbergs. If you have not been exposed to it, uh, we love it. We, we can't get enough of it. Uh, I will tell you, if uh, you've got kids, first few episodes, they were figuring out which direction they were going to go. Uh, we we kind of came in late in the first season. So some of the early episodes are a little crude. But uh, if you were a child of the 80s, there's really no better show on television for you. Uh, it's all about a f- growing up in the 80s. It's just a blast. But uh, so here, here's what I know. That on this Mother's Day, some of you guys do have great memories of your mom. And, uh, and so today is just a day to celebrate and to honor them. You, maybe you're going to do something special with them. Or if they're uh, you know, in a different city, you're, you may be calling them later or sending them something. I don't know. Uh, and, and for some of you... You know, life with mom wasn't all that great. For some, they go through life never truly knowing their mom. And, and sometimes worse than that, their mom is there, but not emotionally. And so they never can really get to know who the, the person is that's their mother. And, and so I recognize that all these different events are, or all these experiences are in, in the room possibly. But for most people, you're somewhere between the perfect mom, Right. And the mom who's never there. For most people, you're somewhere in between. Now, we wanted to start a new series today. And the reason we wanted to do that is because the last two series we've done are, are honestly, they are pretty intense. Uh, we, we have hit the pursuit of holiness pretty hard about the last 10 weeks. And the pursuit of holiness is hard because it's something that God does naturally. It's something we don't do naturally. The Holy Spirit must be a part of our lives for any kind of pursuit. And what can happen if you're not careful is you can go through life studying Scripture and believing that you're supposed to be doing good enough in some area of life. Inevitably, inevitably, you come to the place where your humanity hits a brick wall and you recognize, I just can't do this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go through these next few weeks. We're going to pick a different character out each week. And we're going to look at some biblical blunders based on people that we hold up as just the saints of the faith who made major blunders in their life and what they, what they did with that. Today, because we're doing Biblical Blunders Mother's Edition, I'm going to be sharing with you the story of perhaps the most famous mother of all time. And that would be Mary. And so as we do that, I, we had one other gift that we wanted to do. And, and, uh, and so I was going to do this, this fun little cute thing, but the more I thought about it, the more dumb it sounded. So I didn't do it. But, um, you ever do that? Do you ever go, that'd be awesome. And then like 10 minutes later, that is the dumbest thing you have ever thought of. I don't know. It may have been what I ate that day, but, um, we do have a book for some imperfect people in the room. And so if you're one of those, uh, now this is not just for moms. This is, we want to celebrate all women because, uh, whether you're a mother or not, uh, the very fact of how God has gifted you blesses the us and those around you. And so we've got a little gift. It's called a cup of joy and, uh, it's on the back table. Pick that up, take it with you. If we've got any extras and you've got somebody that's not here, feel free to grab one for them and, uh, take it with you as well. Uh, so we love the Goldbergs. And we, the, the overall catchphrase, and, and, and those two characters are, are two of our favorite characters, Barry and Beverly. Beverly is the, everyone's favorite smother. 
right? You know what a smother is? The ultimate helicopter mom protects her children from everything, won't let anything happen. She has a story for everything they could ever get into about someone else's child was killed trying to go skateboarding or something like that. You know, it's just crazy, all these things. And she makes a comment in this one. She was not going to be the mother who has to carry her son's head around. And so she tells the story, trying to get him to not wrestle, that she knows somebody, she's always knows somebody whose son tried to wrestle and his head got completely snapped off of his body. And so now his mother has to carry the head around wherever she goes. And uh, it's just hilarious that the, the, the mom, everyone's favorite smother. And so uh, you would, I just can't tell you how much, uh, uh, anyways, I'm going to stop on that. I'm going to, I just want to watch the clip again. It just cracks me up. But so, so here's what I know is for moms, moms carry a huge burden, right? They carry a huge burden and that, that's us, <laughs> the kids. And as a parent, you begin to think about life differently than as a child. When you're a kid, you just want to experience everything. You want to do everything. It's, you know, it's crazy. All the safety things that are in place today, right? If our kids want to go riding a bike, they got to have elbow pads, knee pads. They got to have a helmet on. They need, really need to have training wheels until they're about 18. You know, they can go straight from the training wheels to a car. And uh, that will be just fine. But when I was a kid, we were joking around about the things we did when we were kids. When, when I was a kid, we created fires that we would jump our bikes over, right? That's what we did. And uh, my knees, I, I literally, I, I have no wrinkles in my knees. They're two big scars. Because we would line up. I lived in a cul-de-sac. We had a long street. At the end was a cul-de-sac. And uh, one of our, our games that we would play is we would get tennis balls, all the neighborhood kids, right? We'd get tennis balls. We would take our bikes that we had souped up, which means we, you know, put some stickers on it and maybe change the, the grips on it. And we would just full bore one at a time, go, go down the street and the kids would just line up down the street with their tennis balls. And we would try to nail them and knock them off their bikes. You know, you couldn't do that today, but that's how we had fun. And if there was a bump, a hump, a ramp, or anything that you could get your bike on, then it was something that you were supposed to jettison off of, right? That, so when I was a kid, the, the rules were different. It was like, Mom, I'm, I'll be back you know, later. And then we would take off. And uh, we would be gone for you know, hours. Um, life's a little different now. And in some ways, it's because we have seen a lot of terrible things that happen in the world. But the truth is, what we often struggle with is the fear that we won't do something right. Somehow these children are given into our charge and we have to make sure nothing bad happens to them. And no matter how hard we try to be the perfect parent, somehow it just never happens, Right? How many times do we just have the, you know, face palm, I can't believe this. Sometimes we do it and the kids did it all on their own. Sometimes we look at them and they go, they learned that from me. And those kind of like the double face palm, I, they, I taught them that. But we try to do things perfectly. And the truth is for us, perfect just really isn't an option. So for Mother's Day, I want us just to look at a couple of things at what does it look like to be a mom and, and what happens when you're maybe not the perfect mom by looking at an imperfect mother 
in Scripture. Proverbs 1.8 talks about just the importance of parents. And so I do want to emphasize that your role is important. It is vital. And, and moms just have an incredible role in raising children that, that no one else can really, can really do. Proverbs 1.8 says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Now, I'm going to print these up and sell them for about 10 bucks a piece, and y'all can buy those on your way out, and you can give them to your kids every five or 10 minutes or so to tell them they need to listen to me. The Bible says so. And what I also know this morning is that in churches all over the country, there is a sermon being taught on the Proverbs 31 woman, the perfect woman who can find. Well, it's because you can't. And yet, there's just something about moms that feel that they must meet this standard that they constantly feel they're failing at. So let's just look at a mom who failed at being a mom who God chose to be the mother of his son. Okay? Can we do that together? All right. If you've got a Bible, we're going to be looking in Luke primarily. Luke chapter 2. Actually, that's where we're going to be for the rest of the morning. Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 22. If you have a phone or a tablet or something, you can get on version. You can follow along. And here's where I, we're leading up to. This part of Luke that we're coming into, Jesus has been born. We are going to be talking about Mary. And Jesus has been born. We are literally just over, we're about five weeks into Jesus' life as a person on the planet. All right? Now, theologically, Jesus has been around from the very beginning, but... We, we, what we find when we read through the life of Jesus is that he limited himself so that he would not, he wasn't born with everything that Jesus knew previous to this moment. He chose to be brought up in a human culture to understand what's happening with humanity, although he understood it, but he chose to limit himself. When Jesus was born, he cried like every other baby did. He did the things that every other baby did, no doubt. He had the terrible twos, probably not as bad as some of the other terrible twos that people go through. But Jesus chose to go through a human experience while he was on this planet. So understanding that, we are about five weeks into his life at this point. Now, the next few verses are actually going to take us through the next 12 years of his life. Okay, so that's where we're starting. And just imagine Mary is certainly overwhelmed with what has just happened. But she's also going through a lot of the exact same things that any mother goes through raising a child. So verse 22, let's just read through the story. Then we're going to come back and talk about it. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses. Now, we're going to come back to this. But this was something that every Jewish parent was supposed to do. There were certain things that you were supposed to do when your child were born according to the law of Moses or as it's going to be referred to also the law of God. Now, within the first week, right at the seven-day period is when you would be circumcised. And then right at about 40 days old, you would go through this purification ritual. And so Mary is taking Jesus through all of these things that have been instructed that all Jewish parents would do. Okay? So that's where we are, verse 22. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
as it is written in the law of the Lord, second time we've seen that, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. That's three times we've seen that now. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Simeon this is a big deal. Now, if you are a student at all of the events surrounding the birth of Jesus, you're going to find that there are a lot of prophecies and there are a lot of supernatural, miraculous things happening centered around the coming of Jesus. It was a huge event that God had worked in many different miraculous ways to prepare the coming of Jesus. Simeon is one of those. And so there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And you'll also find that there are few places in the Old Testament or the time before Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit being imparted to them, starting at Pentecost. There are few people before Pentecost that the Holy Spirit has come upon. Very few. This is a big deal. Today we talk about the Holy Spirit for anyone who knows Jesus. This was not the case at this point in history. This was a huge deal. The Holy Spirit had come upon him. There were few references to people that this had happened. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law we're hearing about the law again that's four times now we've heard about the custom or something about the law he took him up in his arms and he blessed god and said lord now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. You can just imagine this beaming, if you ever beamed over a child, this beaming that Mary and Joseph had over what was being said about their child, Jesus. Verse 34, and Simeon blessed them And he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that your thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. So she had been a widow for a long time. Married for about seven years. She died. She was a widow for a long time. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, five times now we've seen this. They returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom. 
and the favor of God was upon him. Big event, right? There's not very many people who can say, God told me I wouldn't die until I saw your son. Not many of us can say that that ever really happened. In fact, it probably didn't happen for any of us. You can imagine all that they're going through, all these new emotions of of having a child, all of the cooing and just the joy and the excitement, all the newness. They've just been through themselves some incredible events leading up to this time just about six weeks prior. This has been an amazing, amazing event. We've seen where... Jesus has come into the world. We have seen where he has a cousin who's come into the world that's going to announce his arrival. We've seen God working through prophecies and miracles. And what we know is part of this whole story is the beginning of the battle for what would be humanity from that point forward. Where earthly kings would attempt to eradicate any reference to a savior. And through this time, these new parents with this child is standing before a priest and a prophetess hearing how wonderful this child is he's going to change the world now the truth is we all have great hopes for our children don't we we all daydream before we actually have them about what is actually going to happen within their lives and typically those daydreams go something like this we Think through all of the best things that we've ever experienced or been a part of. And we want them to have all of those and none of the bad things that we experience in life, right? We dream up new, better stuff. We want them to have every good experience we had and then every other moment of their life to be better experiences than that. We daydream about that. It's part of being a parent. It's part of loving a child. It's, it's part of hoping for them. It's part of wanting something wonderful for them. It's just a natural part of parenthood. While there are occasionally someone racked with anxiety from the moment they find out they're going to have a child, most people don't go through that. Most people look forward to the things that are going to happen here. And I believe that is where Mary and Joseph are. But for our purposes this morning, specifically for Mary. Look at all this being said. I mean, can you imagine someone else validating your parenthood? I, already God has said, I've chosen you to you know, take care of, of my son. That's pretty good validation right there. You know, Maybe other people wouldn't let us handle their kids but i mean god basically said here's my kid take care of him that's a that's a big validation and they're experiencing all this expecting that things are going to be incredible and wonderful and nothing will go wrong and what's it going to look like the savior of the world is going to grow up in our house how is all that going to happen for mary she was doing what many young mothers do she was doing everything she was supposed to do right Aren't there things you're supposed to do once you have a child? You're supposed to set up the nursery. You're supposed to now have some kind of video surveillance system with a mobile rocket system that if anyone comes near the crib, it's not supposed to. It zeroes in and blows them to bits, right? Those are just things every parent's supposed to do, right? We're supposed to have some kind of voice recognition software so that as soon as they start making a sound, it may sound like a beluga well, but, you know, to us, they're, they're reciting their ABCs at three weeks old. Yeah. We're supposed to do certain things as new parents. 
But for Mary, she was doing everything she was supposed to do. See, when those five different references of doing all these things according to the law, she was doing everything that God had instructed his people to do with a newborn child. And she would have felt good about that. She would have felt like she was doing things the right way. She would have felt like she was starting off on the right foot and everything was going the way it's supposed to. And this is only, hey, it's only looking good from this point forward. No doubt she became a student of what it meant to raise a child in Jewish culture if she didn't already know, which no doubt she did. But she was doing everything just as she was supposed to do. No doubt by this point she had already had Jesus circumcised because that's what you're supposed to do. And then here, five, six weeks into his life, she was having him go through the purification ceremony just as she was supposed to do. In truth, she was probably loving her son just as she was supposed to do. And by following the law of God, she was teaching him God's ways just as she was supposed to do. I just imagine all the wonder of everything they were going through at that time. Just, Joseph, can you believe this? No, I can't. This is so incredible. Did you hear what Simeon said? I mean, he wasn't going to die. He gets to die now because he met our son or... God's son, or I don't know how they reference that. And did you hear what the prophet has said? Ah, it's just amazing. I just can't imagine the wonder that they were going through. When we do have children, we have hopes and dreams. For them, it was probably more surreal than anything any of us truly have experienced. And for most of us, We don't really expect things to go wrong, right? But they do. We don't expect to make a mistake, but we do. We don't expect to have a blunder of biblical proportions, but in all honesty, they do. One of the reasons that we wanted to do this series right now, following my brother's keeper and undignified, is because unlike Jesus... Perfect isn't an option for us. And if we take the pursuit of holiness seriously, you will eventually come to the place of recognizing you're a failure. But are you? Does God ever set anybody up to be perfect at what they do? Does God ever call somebody to perfection beyond their ability for that perfection? And as we look through every story, every apostle, every prophet, every priest, everyone except Jesus, every one of them had failure listed in their life. And if you take the pursuit of holiness seriously, you're going to at some point recognize failure in your own life. It has the power to propel you. It has the power to paralyze you. How do we understand failure and things that go wrong and just uneasiness? Because the truth is sometimes things just don't go as we plan. Verse 41, we pick up, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. Again, they're doing everything right. Everything they're supposed to do. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Now, 
granted, 12 years old today and 12 years old for Jesus are two very different 12 years old. At 12 years old today, we're still not sure we're letting them go somewhere by themselves or stay home by themselves. And for in Jewish culture, in just two, three more years, he's having kids of his own. Because things were much more advanced at that time than they are today. So as we read this, Jesus is 12. It's not our 12. It's Jewish 12 at this time. He was pretty capable, pretty competent. But still, his parents went to Jerusalem. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. Okay, let's be honest. How many? How many have done this very same thing? Okay, maybe you didn't leave the city. But how many of you have lost a child at some point or the other? I'm not just raising my hand as an, as an example for you. I'm guilty right here. I'm guilty. Okay, I'll tell you that story in a minute. His parents did not know it. It's just written so calmly. But you know in that moment, ah! you know, yeah, that's what's going on. His parents did not know that Jesus wasn't there. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. Panic stricken, feeling like a failure. We've done everything right. How could we lose the Savior of the world? (laughs) There's a lot of pressure for them. And yet in the midst of their traveling, somehow Jesus, who was expected to be amongst the other kids in the group, he's not. So the mother of Jesus who God had chosen in our minds and in the way that we share things has failed. You know, it's funny. All of the uh, social media posts about parenting today. One of the funniest memes that I've seen. I should have put one up for an example. One of the funniest memes I've seen are, are when a parent has messed up and somehow it gets splashed all over news. And the comments begin... And I saw, there's, there's one that I've seen that it just simply, it, it shows, um, I, I don't remember his name, but the guy from uh, Game of Thrones holding his sword with the caption, brace yourselves, the perfect parents are coming. Who are just ready to jump in and say how they would never let that happen to their kids. Remember the first time I saw that, I literally busted out laughing because it is so true. How many of us have somebody who would never do the things that we did aren't they fun friends they make us feel good mary made a crucial but not uncommon blunder as a mother she lost her son i can attest to this very thing short period of time but we were at the beach i've told this story before some of you may remember it jake was he he was just i don't know he was three four years old and we were staying at a condo i I don't know how many stories it was it was a good 15 story you know building and and i just it was that we were we were young in ministry and i was just always stressed over everything and and we were on vacation i finally got to relax and so i was looking out this over this overhang at the ocean just kind of soaking it all in 
And I had already pushed the button for the elevator behind me where Jake stayed back there. And I just kind of took it in and the, I don't know, there was no bell and the door opened. But the door opened and Jake walked in as I soaked in the ocean. And so I turn around and he's not there. So I run to the door and the door's closed. And what do you do in those moments? You push every button you can. Now, the part of the story that makes this worse than it already is, is that we were on vacation with our (laughs) in-laws. I love our in-laws. We have a great relationship. But you don't want to lose their grandchild on vacation with them. doesn't look good for you. You're already trying to earn your place in the family. That early on, that's one foot out the door right then. So fortunately, Jake appeared as the elevator door opened with the in-laws who had found him in an elevator by themselves. Failure indeed. You know, it's so easy to make a blunder, isn't it? It's so easy to make a mistake. And we do them regularly. And we feel guilty about them. And we feel like they shouldn't have happened. But as we look at the story of Mary, even the woman God chose to be the mother of the Savior of the world wasn't perfect. And so neither are you. So as we go through the rest of the story, it ends like this. After three days, they've lost him for three days. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? I don't know if she said it that way, but isn't that how you read it? See, I I just bless you with my emotional readings of Scripture. But that's how I would have read it. Where have you been? You know, three days, hadn't slept, probably haven't eaten, stressed out. Why were you looking for me? That's really not an answer if you want to live another day on this earth in our family, right? Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. You know, sometimes our mistakes are just that. Mistakes. Sometimes we just make poor choices. Or sometimes... Forces happen outside of our control, and we take on the full burden of those mistakes. But did you know that sometimes God intends for our children to take a different path than we expected? See, sometimes the mistakes we make may not be that we have failed. It may be that God has planned something different. And in those times, we have to remember that we are a people who must have faith in a God who is at work. Because we aren't perfect. We aren't able to do everything without fault. This weekend, uh, some of you know that I am uh, I'm coaching Jonathan's baseball team. 
If you knew my baseball skills, you would find that humorous. And, uh, but there was a need for a coach, and I'm a firm believer that if there's a need in something that you believe is worthwhile, even if you're busy, you need to find ways to help. Um, if they need the help. It's a way that we serve. It's the way that we help people around us. It's one of the ways that we give a testimony of what God has done for us. We pour ourselves out for others. And so this is one that, uh, I, I, so I'm coaching baseball. And uh, one of the things that we, we, we had a doubleheader yesterday, hottest day so far. And our kids, uh, they were struggling at the plate. They were struggling to hit the ball. In fact, they were struggling standing by the plate, even swinging at the ball. And so, fortunately, I have another dad who's also just a great guy, a great Christian guy. He's a lot more knowledgeable than I am, so he helps uh, tremendously. And so we're both trying to get these kids to swing. The problem is that Thursday night we had a baseball game, and one of the little kids, Deshaun, who's just the most sweet, innocent, precious kid you have ever seen. Just a smile on his face. He's, he's just a, a sweet kid. He's, he's up at the bat. He, and the guy who's pitching, this is, this is nine and 10 year old. If you're not familiar with little league baseball, nine and 10 year old league is the first year that kids start pitching to other kids. Up to that point, it's always been the uh, coach who pitches to the kids and the kid, you know, they lob them in there. Occasionally, they'll still hit a kid, but, you know, they're lobbing them in there to give them the best chance to hit. But then you put a nine-year-old in there who's flinging it as fast as he can, and it's going all kinds of places. And so we've got the fastest pitcher in our little league here, and, and he just hurls it. And Deshaun's sitting there, so tentative, nails him in the arm. I mean, you can hear it everywhere. He just nailed him. Now, in that moment, there are a number of emotions in and responses that you can have. Now, I, I, I have literally seen parents jump out and go try to rescue their child because he has just been mortally wounded by a baseball. And, the, and their intention is to scoop them up and cuddle them tight and parade them back to the air-conditioned car and make sure that they're okay. Now, fortunately, that did not happen for us. So we go running to Deshaun, and he's just and immediately on the, ball, on the ground, just balled up, crying, big tears coming down his eyes. His arm is killing him. We're checking to make sure his arm's not broken or have a contusion or something. And he's okay. We say, Deshaun, man, you are so big for taking that shot. You think you can make it over to first base? Ooh, you know how it is. He trots over to first base. And uh, I was so proud of him. Now, for some of you moms, you're already mad at me for telling the story. And it's not even your kid. Because your kid does not get hurt. You know, it's crazy. I'm just waiting for, you know, they keep coming out with more of this padded gear you can buy. I keep waiting for these kids to come out like Robocops, you know, to the plate. You know, they can't move because they're going to have pads all over every inch of their body. You know, it's like Darth Vader breathing through the mask. I just expect that that's going to happen. It hasn't happened yet. And so the fear and the fear for Deshaun's mom could have been, how could I have let my child do this? He's hurt. How could I let him do this? She could have been an ultimate smother just like Beverly Goldberg. I'm not going to let this happen to you. 
And so what happened as a result is all the kids were scared to death they were going to get hurt from that point forward. And so every pitch that anywhere close to the plate, they were backing out and they weren't swinging. And, you know, they were scared to death. But finally, we got them to start swinging. We finally got them to stay in there. And they had more hits in those games than we've had all season. And it was fantastic. And I told those kids, you know what? I'm proud of you because sometimes in life when you get hit, you just got to get up and keep going. And that is a message that is hard if you're trying to be the perfect parent. I don't want them to get hit. I don't want anything bad to happen. I don't want them to have to get up and keep going after that. I want them to just be happy all the time. But what if God doesn't want that for you or your child? Because there is a life lesson, and this is why he created dads, by the way, is because we say, get out there and get on first base. That's, that's how we respond to it, right? And not how we did, but there's a little bit of that. And that's, so that's why dads are, are part of the picture. But there is the ability to recognize you are going to fail, but because you failed does not mean that your child will be forever hurt because of it. It may mean that you've just strengthened them for more of life's challenges coming their way. What if God is creating those challenges in your life just so that they can grow and learn from those difficult experiences? Now, what did Jake learn by going down an elevator without me? Probably nothing. But still, sometimes those things just remind us of our humanity and our need to trust God. Your failures may be intended to help your children grow. That's why you shouldn't hide them from your children. You should let them know them. Maybe you should gauge when they're ready to know some of your failures. But they need to know those. Mary, she was a wonderful mother. She was chosen by God to parent Jesus. And Mary, she loved Jesus with all her heart. But she couldn't protect him from every bad thing in the world. In fact, as we look forward to the end of his life on earth, we find that she would have gone through the most heartbreaking, heart-wrenching thing a mom could go through. She loved him intently, but she couldn't protect him from everything. Mary, in part, showed her love by teaching him the ways of God that she knew. No doubt, in very short fashion, Jesus, as he had limited himself began to take back on the divinity that was his, and he surpassed what she knew greatly. But she taught him what she knew. She wasn't perfect. She didn't have all the answers. She wasn't the ultimate teacher. She taught him what she knew. So what can we take away from this story on this Mother's Day? I'm going to just give you four things. There are lots of things you can take away. You may already have something that you want to take away, but four things I thought of. Number one is we can love our children whole heartedly even when they don't recognize it we can love our children wholeheartedly mary loved her children wholeheartedly we can teach and we can guide our children throughout our lives and and the older you get the more you recognize your parents are still teaching you there's a period of time that you believe you've nothing to learn from your parents anymore but once you get past that i have all the answers you begin to see how much they continue to teach 
As a parent, you will continue to teach and guide just as she did throughout their lives. Another one we can take away, we're never going to parent perfectly. It's just not going to happen. And this is maybe the hardest takeaway for some of us. For some of us who put so much pressure to do everything just right, to be able to say our kids, they, they had the very best life possible, to be able to feel somehow value as a parent because we just did it right. Sometimes, truly, our failures are meant to be used by God to grow our kids. And we need to fully embrace this. You know, there are some that, in truth, they, they never recognize any failure they ever make. They never do anything wrong. There are those that believe that whatever they choose to do with their life, it really doesn't matter as long as they get to do what they choose. Then they, they never consider the fact that they may have done something wrong. But that's a rare case. That's not most. There are also those that if they do anything wrong, they heap a tremendous amount of guilt and disdain upon themselves. And I find that among Christians, that happens very often. People who are serious about growing and maturing in their faith, feeling very devastated and destroyed when they don't measure up to what they think they should be measuring up to. Have you ever considered that God never intended for us to be perfect? There's only one perfect person that has walked this earth, and it's not me and it's not you. Has he ever considered that God planned that? That God desires for us to learn through that humanity that keeps us always stumbling, never actually getting to where we hope we can get because he wants us to rely on him in ways that are uncomfortable in our lives. See, the parent takes faith. To live takes faith. In this scenario, Jesus is still becoming the savior of the world, even if his mother made a huge blunder. Jake's still here today, even though I lost him in an elevator and got found by his in-laws. That was a fun experience. He's still here. But what about those blunders that they're not still here? What about the really horrible ones? You know, I, I can't... I can't have an answer for why everything happens, but I can say that God wants us to trust him in the midst of horrendous experiences. can't really understand why some of the most heinous things can happen to children or to adults. Other than God is preparing us for a place where those things don't happen anymore. He allows them to happen, and sometimes he wants us to go through those doors, even though we would never go through them on our own power. God still works through imperfect people because he is God and his love for us is unfathomable. Perhaps we need to begin looking at our pursuit of following his teaching in such a way that it propels us to act, but it also causes us to grow in our reliance on him, not our reliance on our ability to do it ourselves. See, for any follower of Jesus, once you've made the decision, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this happen, you stop relying on the Holy Spirit and you're destined for failure. Whereas over and over, Jesus tried to teach his apostles, Jesus tried to teach us through his parables and through his sermons 
tried to teach us that you can only move forward if you rely on him, if you rely on the Holy Spirit. There has to be God working through us. For some of you that believe that you are imperfect, join the club. God still loves you. God's still going to work through you. And it's possible God's using your imperfection to change the world around you. Because that's what God does. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at different characters. Uh, some of them that I, I think are they're just fun stories, but they are they have deep meetings. They're deeply impacting what's going on at the time. And my hope is not that we let ourselves off the hook to say, oh, well, who's perfect? That we recognize that God's love for us is, and that he is at work in our lives. And even when we make mistakes, God has the ability to use those. In this case, Mary lost sight of Jesus. And yet for three days, he taught in the temple, and he began to pave the foundation for his ministry that would be moving forward in a very short time. He did something incredible. She treasured those in her hearts, what God had done, even through her failure. What do I I want to leave you with today? I I just want to thank you for all of our our moms in the room. Thank you for your example and your love and your care. I love the transparency many of you show when you do talk about the funny things that happen, the failures that you have, and sometimes the the heart-wrenching ones. Thank you for being honest and demonstrating that we are a people that are still in need of redemption. I want to just say happy Mother's Day to some of the best and perfect moms in the world. God loves us, and through you, he has shown his love. I want to thank you for that. Let's pray. Father, God, it just uh, seems like we should be able to do things just right. There's just something that seems like we should be able to make this work. But it doesn't work. Over and over again, the harder we try, the more you show us that without you, we're nothing. We We can't do it. Father, I pray that you would help us to learn from Mary's example, that we can love wholeheartedly. We can teach the very best we can do. We can be there and care We can still make mistakes, but you can redeem those mistakes. You can use those mistakes. You can use our failings in so many positive ways in the world. Father, I pray that you would help us to move forward. Some of us are just like Deshaun this morning. We've been hit by a ball, and so now we're scared to death that we're going to mess up or we're going to get hurt again. And some of us just need to get back up, and we need to go to first base. We need to come back and swing on the next one. God, help us on this Mother's Day to recognize your love and your care and your grace on us and imperfect people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.